Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Let's Get Civical. This is the podcast that breaks down politics, government structure, and dives into the context of current events, but in a super fun way. I'm Lizzie Stewart, comedian, feminist, and political junkie. And I'm Arden Walentowski, former Senate intern, campaign staffer, and political strategist. In this episode, we're continuing our New Deal series by talking about Social Security. So grab your credits. And let's get civical. Everybody. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Let's Get Civical. I'm Lizzie Stewart. And I'm Arden Walentowski. And I'm recording from my new apartment. Hey! Yay! Yay, new apartment! Long time coming. If you hear an echo, it's because I have no furniture. It is quite astounding when you move into a new place and you're like, how do I not have a sponge? Or like, how do I not have... It's humbling to realize you don't own anything that is required to be an adult. Hells yeah! But now you have an official office. You have an office. That's amazing. I do. You guys, you guys, the echo chamber in which I'm recording in right now is my office and it will eventually be nice and pretty and full of furniture and yes, sound honey. sucking um, materials. <laughs> and I'm so excited. I'm so thrilled. I'm so thrilled. Anywho, the point no. is we're not talking about my living situation. Today we're talking about something very, very different. And we are returning to our New Deal series, sort of the ongoing series that we pop back to because, again, the New Deal, a lot of stuff happened. A lot of stuff happened. It's simply too hard to cover in one episode, and so we've taken that off our plate. Absolutely. We have literally scraped it off our plate. Yeah. And so today we're going to cover, I think, probably the most famous program from the, that came from the New Deal, like I would, I would say, and that is Social Security. The thing that we're all supposed to be contributing to. Yeah. And we are. I mean, you know. Yeah. It's still a thing that we all give our... It still does happen. Portion. It still is They happening. still do Social take the money. money. They sure do. They sure take that money. So I'm excited because truly, other than kind of just like a baseline knowledge of what it's supposed to do, like it's supposed to be this fund that you put into throughout your entire life that you can then retire on basically that's to me that's like to me what social security is in a nutshell and i could be so wrong but that's how i've always understood it so i'm excited to learn more at a base level that is true except that it's not like your own personal fund right 
So like, but that's in my mind and my simple and my peasant yeah. mind. Yeah. That's how it always is. It's yeah. like at, when you turn however old, they're like, here's a check with your funds. Yeah. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Go buy your Werther's Originals and watch your soap mm-hmm. operas. And watch your programs. Live your <laughs> life. Watch your shows. Watch your shows. Watch your shows. That's what I do. I, I watch my shows. I watch my programs. Because you're already 86 years old. Because I am. Yeah. I am. But my programs are like, I'm all over the place. If you were to see what I watch in a day, you would be like, she's unwell. <laughs> she's unwell. <laughs> so, anywho, back to Social Security. Before we hop into the notes, do you want to talk about where today's sources are coming from? You know, they're, 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 we leaned into the, I, whatever, the Social Security Administration and AARP. Yes. yes. Where else are we going to go? Where else are you going to go? I mean, it's about Social Security. Go to the source. Right. Go to the horse's straight, mouth. Straight from the horse's mouth. Yeah. Absolutely. So we're going to start off talking about the OG Social Security. So Social Security has changed, obviously. A lot of phases have happened. So we're going to start with, like, who she was back in the day. And this even goes, like, before Social Security. This was, like, in a, like the original moment when U.S. Dot was moment. like, you know what we should do? Help people. Help people. We need to help people. So pre-Social Security, the OG. Here yeah. we go. And this is coming from, you guessed it, the Social... social Oh, my God. Saying Social Security... It's really hard. Is gonna Saying be Social Security is going to be hard this whole episode. And honestly, we should yes. just, like, take a drink every time one of us fucks it up. And then by the end of the day, we'll be drunk. We'll be drunk. So this is coming from the Social Security Administration. So although Social Security... Oh, my God. It's already a problem. <laughs> it's what it sounds like in my mouth. Although Social Security did not really arrive in America until 1935, there was one important precursor that offered something we could recognize as a Social Security program to one special segment of the American population. So following the Civil War, there were hundreds of thousands of widows. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Correct. There were, this is not, it's not funny, but it's just. It's the way that they're wording it. It, This is coming directly from the Social Security Administration. And it is some of like, in some ways, very flowery writing. And in some ways, very like, okay, we're going a little above and beyond. Right. Following the Civil War, there were hundreds of thousands of widows and orphans and hundreds of thousands of disabled veterans. Correct. Because like the entire country was literally fighting. Yes. In fact, immediately following the Civil War, a much higher proportion of the population was disabled or survivors of deceased breadwinners than at any time in American history, which makes sense because, again, we were fighting with ourselves. This led to the development of a generous pension program with interesting similarities to later developments in Social Security. The first National Pension Program for Soldiers was actually passed in early 1776, prior even to the signing of the Declaration of Independence. I love it. Yeah. I love it. Perfect. Yeah. Throughout America's antebellum period, pensions of limited types were paid to veterans of America's various wars, but it was with the creation of Civil War pensions that a full-fledged pension system developed in America for the first time. So we had this, like, little baby pension pre-Revolutionary War. Yeah. But the real deal started 
post-Civil War, yeah. which again, makes sense. Makes like, total we've sense. Literally, we've destroyed ourselves. Yes. So we have to build up. Yes, we have to rebuild. The Civil War pension program began shortly after the start of the war with the first legislation in 1862 providing for benefits linked to disabilities, quote, incurred as a direct consequence of military duty. Yeah. So if you had an injury on the military duty site, yeah. you get this pension. <laughs> you know. Also <laughs> known, as, known a as a battlefield. <laughs> aka a battlefield i'm sorry do you write for the social security administration are you an intern did you write this i'm an intern i actually wrote the website i'm I'm interning now (laughs) oh boy okay widows and orphans could receive pensions equal in amount to that which would have been payable to their deceased soldier if he had been disabled okay In 1890, the link with service-connected disability was broken, and any disabled Civil War veteran qualified for benefits. In 1906, old age was made a sufficient qualification for benefits, so that by 1910, Civil War veterans and their survivors enjoyed a program of disability, survivors, and old age benefits similar in some ways to the later Social Security programs. Yeah. So I love it. They're like, now you guys are old and you should still get benefits for serving in the Civil War. Yes. I'm curious, though. I wonder if this extended to those who fought for the Confederacy. I know. Part of me. Question. Question. Big question mark. Like you question because like, I mean, well, now they're part of the, you know, like they are a part of the United States. This is true. Because we won. Yeah. But I'm, yeah, I'm curious if there was any distinction. I mean, we're not covering this thing, but yeah, these are the hairy details you get in. Yeah. Ooh, I kind of want to look that up. Maybe we'll do like a, that's an interesting one to do like a follow-up mini episode too, if we can find the answer. Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. By 1910, over 90% of the remaining Civil War veterans were receiving benefits under this program, although they constituted barely 0.6% of the total U.S. population of that era. Civil War pensions were also an asset that attracted young wives to elderly veterans. Oh, my God. Okay, Anna Nicole Smith, (laughs) whose pensions they could inherit as the widow of a war veteran. Indeed, there were still surviving widows of Civil War veterans receiving Civil War pensions as late as 1999. Like, you were alive. Child bride? Yeah, exactly. Jesus Christ. That's so late. That is late. I mean, that's troubling. I bet these these girls were like 16 years old. Yeah. For the math to work out. Yeah. They would have to be super young. Although, if they Mm -hmm. like... I mean, that is weird and gross, I guess. But then like it also was taking... Like in theory, it would be like much... It would be like in the early part of the... 20th century you know what i mean like 1930 something as opposed to like 1982 <laughs> back in back in the day any all bets were off any they did crazy shit back yeah. in the day back in the day and that's what we have to realize mm. yep okay so that's that's like pre-social security yep. that's like the that's like the soil from which social security was eventually grown from i would say yeah that's how 
you know, so we had like a precursor. It wasn't exactly, it wasn't the same program at all, but like we, it, the social security was not the first time that we had embraced the idea of giving money to old people. So, you know, they could mm-hmm. buy food. Exactly. Exactly. Right. Yeah. So now we're going to talk about how social security, as we know, it kind of came to be. So we're going to fast forward some years. Oh, yes. Yes. Our time, our time travel music. (laughs) So following the outbreak of the Great Depression, poverty among the elderly grew dramatically. And this is all coming from the Social Security Administration. The best estimates are that in 1934, over half of the elderly in America lacked sufficient income to be self-supporting. Despite this, Mm. state welfare pensions for the elderly were practically non-existent before 1930. So these people just had no money and they were just like starving and probably cold and homeless. And obviously the job market is crap. Yeah. What are you going to do? You're 82. What are you going to do for work? Like, (laughs) Right. There's dust everywhere. Yeah. It's no good. It's It's no no good. good. It's no good. A spurt of pension legislation was passed in the years immediately prior to the passage of the Social Security Act so that 30 states had some form of old age pension programs by 1935. So, like, we came a long way in five years. But they're like state programs. They're like, we've got to deal with this. We've got to deal with this. These these people are suffering and we have to do something about it. Right. However, these programs were generally inadequate and ineffective. Only about 3% of the elderly were actually receiving benefits under these state plans, and the average benefit amount was about 65 cents per day. Oh, dear. Yeah. We're not doing so well. We're not doing so well. (laughs) No. We got it. We got it. We got it. We don't 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 got it. SOS. Help. Help. SOS. Beep, 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 That's my telegram for help. That's okay. That's okay. That's exactly right. Beep, 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 beep. Yep. At whenever I do an SOS sound, it always comes out the Nickelodeon. Beep 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 Nickelodeon. Beep 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 beep. beep. <laughs> I can't help it. Yep. Yep. It's perfect. It's perfect. It's perfect. It's perfect. There were many reasons for the low participation in state-run pension programs. Many elderly were reluctant to quote go on welfare. They didn't want to be seen as like wards of the state. wards of the state. Sure. Restrictive eligibility criteria kept many poor seniors from qualifying. Some jurisdictions, while having state programs on the books, failed to actually implement them. I love that. Love it. Love it. There's no, I mean, there's nothing I love more than a program we're not implementing. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Why write it up? Why write up a program? What is the point? What is the point? Why do the work when people need food? I mean, seems silly. Seems silly. Many of the state passed pension laws provided for counties within the state to opt to participate in the pension program. As a result, in 1929, of the six states with operating pension laws on the books, only 53 of the 264 counties eligible to adopt a pension plan actually did so. This sounds a little bit like the Affordable Care Act. Not as drastic, because more states, I think, proportionally did that. But this is like, you know, those Republican states that were like, no, we don't want it. I don't want to do that. We're not going to do it. We're not going to do it. We're not. Nobody gets health care. Nobody gets health care in our state. If you're poor, you can die. Yeah. You can die. (laughs) I love it. I love. I love it. I love us. 
I love me. I love you. I love programs that not all states offer when it comes to health and survival. <laughs> it's my favorite thing it's about just us. About us. It's just so cute. It's it's the cutest thing we it's do. It's really Absolutely. it's like baby chipmunk cute. So then after 1929, the states began enacting laws without county options. <laughs> A breath of fresh air. <laughs> A breath of fresh air. <laughs> Perfect. The states yes. were like, mm, yes, yes, yes. these assholes aren't doing their no. job. No. We're not the Okinaw. You know, you don't get the option. No, they get the option. We're in, you're in, mm-hmm. Optionless. By mm-hmm. 1932, 17 states had old age pension laws, although none were in the South. Oh my God. <laughs> Come on. Just, uh, Come on. So, well, there, there are no poor people in the South, no, so that's fine. They're all wealthy. They all have their... Yes, everybody's wealthy. Everybody's wealthy. 87% of the money available under these laws were expended in only three states, California, Massachusetts, and New York. Hey. It feels good to be number one. Hey. Hey. There we are. There we there are. There we are. are. There we are. As 1934 dawned, the nation was deep in the throes of the Depression. Is that how you spell throw? That is how you spell throes. Okay. I learned something new. Hey. That's because that's so weird. T-H-R-O-E-S. It is a weird, it's something that you, it's one of those words that you see, you never really see written, but you might say it or hear it. Right. Well, I just look at it and I'm like, why isn't it just (laughs) T-H-R-O-W-S? I, you know, that's the difference. Like, I, like being in the throes of something is like being, you know, like to me that throws with an E and throws with a W. Like I make the same hand gesture, you know, where it's like a forward motion. So like, why did we, did we really need the different spelling of throws? It was just really to make your life hard. And to upset you. It was just, yes. That's the I, only purpose. Uh, I love it. Yep. I love it. Keep going. Keep yep. going. Because we're now we're in the throes of the depression. We're in the throes of the depression. As 1934 dawned, the nation was deep in the throes of the Great Depression. Confidence in old institutions was shaken. Surprise. I mean, yeah. I'd be like. I mean, yeah. yeah when... is the, everything collapsed? Right. We didn't have a sink. Like, it, like Everything. Every yes. single, it's Gone. not just the housing Bye-bye. market, right? Like, it's like the whole, like, Wall Street. Like, everything yes. just crashed. Bye-bye. Yeah. Dust. Dust was around. Dust, oh, dust abounded. Oh, my God. Social changes that started with the Industrial Revolution had long ago passed the point of no return. Okay. They're so, okay, <laughs> I'm living for the We're... Social Security Administration website right now because... Oh, it's very dramatic. They're dipping their toes into PBS land where they're starting to get a little saucy. This is saucy. They're getting they're, they're the getting very brave. No return? There's no return? I love it. Right. Except that we did return, but okay. We, I mean, that, but they didn't know that. <laughs> they didn't know that. They didn't know that at the time. They, they thought they the were all just going to like walk off the face of the planet. Yeah. The traditional sources of economic security, assets, labor, family, and charity had all failed in one degree or another. Radical proposals for action were springing like weeds from the soil of the nation's discontent. Oh my God. I know. That is an intern who went to Duke. Yes. I'm loving this intern. <laughs> Bringing like weeds from the soil of the nation's discontent. Also, like lifting, lifting. That's a little bit of like the the winter of our discontent. Like it's a yes. little. It's a little yes. Shakespearean. 
<laughs> it's a I, little on the nose. You don't use the word discontent in any way in regular conversation. I've never said the word no. discontent to a friend. No. I've never been I've never been at a bar drinking a martini and said, I am full of discontent meant. <laughs> I actually don't I can't even I don't even know how to use it in a sentence. With the correct with the correct correct grammatical usage of that yeah. would be it's a hard word to use in present tense. Yeah. Like I was and even like if you're gonna say I'm discontented, that sounds discontent. stupid. I see your discontent. discontent. No, it's discontentment. Yes. Is it discontent or discontentment? If I say I see that you are full of discontent. Is discontentment a word? Hold on, we're gonna look this up. It could it could very well not be a word. That's not the point. <laughs> it sounds like a word though. It Instead. is. Okay, so I'm a genius and everybody can just and fall you, in line. Uh, that's it. Fall in line. You're absolutely the smartest person in the room. Oh. Uh, so yeah. we okay. So the nation is very upset. Nation nation is full of discontent. And people were like, hey, how about this idea for keeping people alive? How about this idea? The nation is very upset. How about Mm -hmm. this idea? So President Franklin Delano Roosevelt, FDR, chose social insurance approach as the cornerstone of his attempts to deal with the problem of economic security. Perfect. You have to have a cornerstone. You simply must. Sure. Every building has it. Every building has a cornerstone. That's true. On June 8th, 1934, FDR, in a message to Congress, announced his intention to provide a program for Social Security. Subsequently, he created, by executive order, the Committee on Economic Security, which was composed of five top cabinet-level officials. I love it. You have to have a cabinet. Yeah. You gotta have it. You gotta study the matter. You gotta have a cabinet. You gotta have a cabinet. You gotta gotta have a place. You have to have a place to put your plates. You know what I mean? Like, you've got to have cabinets. (laughs) I can't tell you how important some it bowls, is. Some wine glasses. Oh like God. you got to have a place to put your stuff. You need a mm-hmm. top little wine cabinet. Mm-hmm. The committee was instructed to study the entire problem of economic mm-hmm. insecurity. I love that they okay. said entire. The entire yes. problem. Not, don't give me. Don't give it. me the first part. Don't give me this part. You got to look at the whole thing. The whole okay. shabang. You're really going to have to take a, a global focus here. And yes. I need I need you to capture the entire problem. Yes. Thank Please. you. Thank you so much. There can be no room for confusion on what your no. job is. No partial, no Mm-mm. partial studies. Mm-mm. And the committee was required to make recommendations that would serve as the basis for legislative consideration by Congress. So this committee, the Committee of Economic Security that FDR created, is the one that like they basically went away and they were like. Here's what we think. Here's what we think. Here's what we found. Here's, what we Here's the entire summary of the problem. <laughs> yeah. I love that. We're going to take a quick break for a little word from our sponsors. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. 
That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz and how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. So in early January of 1935, the committee made its report to the president, and on January 17th, the president introduced the report to both houses of Congress for simultaneous consideration. So... Love that. We're moving and grooving. We're moving it along. We're moving it along. Hearings were held in the House Ways and Means Committee and the Senate Finance Committee during January and February. Some provisions made it through the committees in close votes, but the bill passed in both houses overwhelmingly in floor votes. Can you imagine? After a conference which lasted throughout July, the bill was finally passed and sent to President Roosevelt for his signature. So we got this thing figured out in just a matter of months. That's crazy. That's nuts. The Social Security Act was signed into law by President Roosevelt on August 14th, 1935. In addition to several provisions for general welfare, the new act created a social insurance program designed to pay retired workers age 65 or older a continuing income after retirement. So this is like the part of it that I've always associated with it was like this continual income that you get. Yeah. The two major provisions relating to the elderly were Title I grants to states for old age assistance, which supported state welfare programs for the aged and Title II federal old age benefits. Love. Mm -hmm. It was Title II that was the new social insurance program we now think of as Social Security. In the original act, benefits were to be paid only to the primary worker when he, she, they retired at age 65. Benefits were to be based on payroll tax contributions that the worker made during their working life. So again, you pay a little bit, little by little yep. throughout your whole, you get it, take a bit from your paycheck, it goes to this thing, and then afterwards it starts paying you back. Yes. Taxes would first be collected in 1937, and monthly benefits would begin in 1942. Under amendments passed in 1939, payments were advanced to 1940. So it actually ended up being 1940. 1940, yeah. I mean, yeah. get it done. Get it yeah. done. It get came it in, up with a out. decent, yeah. Five yeah. years. Boom. Yep. First payment. Done. Done. So we're going to talk about how it works because <laughs> it's a little bit – I, like, had no idea. There's, like, a whole credit system. I had no idea there was, like – I knew that, like, you could fu- – like, not fudge it, but I knew that, like, you didn't have to retire at 65. And then right. if you retired later, you could get more monthly. And, like, I knew some of that stuff. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't until, like, my mom – because my mom – we talked about how my mom worked for the federal government basically for most of her life. And so when they – when she retired, she didn't retire with enough credits because I think that, like, the credits – like, she didn't earn credits when she was working. Mm. For them. And so, like, then she had to go back to work so that she could get credits for Social Security. And she was, like – I don't know, like 66, I think, when she did that. So it was like, I don't know. I had no idea that like there was even a credit system right. until that happened. And then I was like, how does this even work? Okay, so here's how this works. 
So social security replaces a percentage of your pre-retirement income based on your lifetime earnings. The portion of your pre-retirement wages that social security replaces is based on your highest 35 years of earnings and varies depending on how much you earn and when you choose to start benefits. So if you like, if you take it earlier, you can do not, I mean, there's like a limit, but you can take it, you can take social security earlier, but then it makes your payments like less in amount. Yes. And it depends on like how much you earn over the course of your life. So when you work, you pay taxes into social security and the social security administration, which like we should just do like a whole separate episode right. on. Cause it's like a whole other beast. Big, yeah. It's a whole other beast, but like the social security administration then uses the tax money from everybody's paychecks to pay benefits to people who qualify. And those people, those are people who have already retired, people who are disabled, survivors of workers who have died and dependents of beneficiaries. So like. All of the money that you, me, everybody that we, yeah, you know, everybody pays into social security. And then that money goes into like a giant pot. Mm-hmm. And then they use that money to pay like out to people. Right. So like I said, the money that you pay into taxes isn't held in a personal account for you to use when you get benefits. Mm, see, that's, that's my misconception. Because that's yeah. what it always sounded like to me. That's like, what it sounds like. This is like you just, and you go in here and then you'll have, it's like, to me, it's like a 401k where you contribute like, and mm. it's assigned to you. And this is how much you have put in. And then you will be able to use that as for like a return. You know, that's, that's what I associate yeah. with it. But I understand yeah. that it's different from that. And I love to learn. It is different from that. So the federal government uses your taxes to pay people who are getting benefits right now. Any unused money goes to the Social Security Trust Fund that pays. They could account with a different term, I think. <laughs> I think so. I think so. This Because Social Security Trust Fund just sounds like an oxymoron. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so any unused money goes there and that pays monthly benefits to you or your family when you start receiving retirement benefits. So like... That's why people are like, is there going to be money in Social Security when I right. retire? Because it's not it's not held for you in an account. It's like, right. like right. you could, in theory, like that money could all be used up to pay for the people who currently need it now. But then when you retire. There's no money. Is there the going to be is, any left? The well is dry. The well is dry. On average, retirement beneficiaries receive 40% of their pre-retirement income from Social Security. So it's not even like you can get Social Security and you're fine. Mm-hmm. Like you need other sources of income, right. wealth, et cetera, money, et cetera. somehow. Right, yeah. right, 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 right. Yeah, because you're not like, you probably can't live. I mean, I'm sure some people can, but like, it would be super hard to live on 40% of your pre-retirement income. Mm-hmm. Holy shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, so here's the credit system, which I was... I did not understand fully until I did this research. So there's a credit system in social security. When you work and pay into social security taxes, you earn credits towards social security benefits, kind of like going to college. You earn Mm -hmm. credits towards graduation. The number of credits you need to get to retirement benefits depends on when you were born. If you were born in 1929 or later, you need 40 credits. Usually this is 10 years of work. If you stop working before you have enough credits to qualify for benefits, the credits will remain on your social security record. If you return to work later, more credits will be added, but they can't pay any retirement benefits until you have 40 credits. So Mm -hmm. this was my mom's problem because Mm -hmm. she like had some 
and then for a large chunk of her work life didn't like accrue credits and then had to go back to work. Mm-hmm. The number of credits does not affect the amount of benefits you receive. It only determines if you are eligible or not. So you could have, in theory, a hundred credits, right. but it doesn't mean that you get more money. It right. just means you're like really super eligible. Good job. Good job. Great job. Good job. Gold star. Good job, good job. Gold star. You do not get extra benefits for earning more than the minimum number of credits. The Social Security Administration cannot pay benefits to you if you do not have enough credits because they use the amount of credits you've earned to determine your eligibility for retirement or disability benefits, as well as your family's eligibility for survivor benefits when you die, when the worker <laughs> dies. I love it. When you yeah. die. When you die. When you die. When you die. In the event of your upcoming death. Since 1978, when you work and pay Social Security taxes, you earn up to a maximum of four credits per year. Got it. So like a quarter. Basically, it's like, yeah, I guess you could think of it as like a quarter system, like January to March, April to June, Mm -hmm, et cetera, mm -hmm. et cetera. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. Okay. Okay. I'm with you, Social Security. I'm with you. Yeah. Credits are based on your total wages and self-employment income for the year. You might work all year to earn four credits, or you might earn enough for all four credits in much less time. The amount of earnings it takes to earn a credit may change each year. In 2021, you earn one Social Security or Medicare credit for every $1,470 in covered earnings each year. You must earn $5,880 to get the maximum four credits for the year. Okay. Yeah. How do you check your credits? There is like, there's calculators and I think there's like a portal that you can go to Mm. like in social security to like check. Yeah. There's like the actual, actually the social security administration website is very, very helpful and they have tons of information about like how to calculate what you'll get in social security retirement and how to know how much, like, yeah, like there's the thing that like would help you answer that question specifically for you. Mm -hmm. Or if you wanted just to like, you know, if you thought that you made basically more than $6,000 in whatever time period, you know, like if that's four credits, you could do the math. But yeah, you there's like math. you could do the math. You could do the math. Do the math. I love that. But if you don't want to do the math and you want accurate information or more ac- more accurate information, go mm-hmm. to Social Security Administration. Love it. During your lifetime, you might earn more credits than the minimum number you need to be eligible for benefits. These extra credits do not increase your benefit amount, the average of your earnings over your working years, not the total number of credits you earn determines how much your monthly payment will be when you receive benefits. Then to me, I'm just like, why the credit system? I mean, I know that there's a reason, but it's also, it's it's interesting to me that they... It is weird that it's not connected. I don't... Well, that, or that you don't get anything for like having more yeah. credits, you know, that there is no benefit to that. Just curious. Just a curious thing. Or that like somebody could have like all these extra credits and like they go to waste basically. And then mm-hmm. like other people don't have enough credits and like... Yeah. Really, what is the difference? Like, if you've got free credits, like, give a penny, take a penny. Like, what the hell does it matter? Right, right. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So let's talk about credits and survivor benefits. So the number of credits needed for family members to be eligible for survivor benefits depends on your age when you die. The younger you are, the fewer credits that are needed. Nobody needs more than 40 credits. So that makes sense. Like, yeah. you know. <laughs> Under a special rule... They can pay benefits to children and and the spouse caring for the children, even if the record doesn't have the number of credits needed. 
The family members can get benefits if you have credits for one and one half years work, so six credits in total, in the three years before the death. Oh my gosh, this is very like granular. It's very like, there's a lot of math. Yeah. It's not like, when did you die? Right. Six months ago? Okay, great. Okay, well, in the preceding week, you get, that's three credits, and then like you're, you're, okay, and she's wearing a blue dress, you get X amount of dollars. Yeah. If you are already receiving retirement or disability benefits at the time of death, Social Security will pay your survivors based on that entitlement. You will not have to determine your credits again. So if you're already receiving Social Security, there's no you don't have to like go back to see if you have enough credits. You like no. your survivors will get your whatever. Yeah. yeah. Great. So let's talk about what counts. So Social Security sets a cap on how much of your income it takes into account in figuring your benefit. This is all I should say coming from AARP. In 2021, the cap is $142,800 and it's adjusted annually to reflect historical wage trends. I wish that minimum wage would do the same. Mm-hmm. Any income above that is not counted in your benefit calculation and is also not subject to Social Security taxes. Yeah. The age you begin receiving your retirement benefit affects how much your monthly benefits will be. There are three important things to know about age when thinking about when to start your benefits. So full retirement age is the age when you can start receiving your full retirement benefit amount. The full retirement age is 66 if you were born from 1943 to 1954. The full retirement age increases gradually if you were born from 1955 to 1960 until it reaches 67. For anyone born 1960 or later, full retirement benefits are payable at age 67. You can find your full retirement age by birth year in the full retirement age chart. Yeah, this is so, one of those helpful tools that Social Security has. Sure, sure. So basically, 1960 and up, it's 67 yeah. years old. And then there's like these two little like sections of time when it can like be... Like sections of time, yeah. Yeah, like 60, 66 or 67. So yeah. love it. Yeah. You can get Social Security retirement benefits as early as age 62. However... The Social Security Administration will reduce your benefit if you start receiving benefits before your full retirement age. When you delay benefits beyond your full retirement age, the amount of your retirement benefit will continue to increase up until age 70. There is no incentive to delay claiming after age 70. So what do you get? What do we get when it's time? The estimated average Social Security retirement benefit in 2021 is $1,543 a month. And the maximum benefit that the most an individual retiree can get is $3,148 a month for somebody who files for Social Security at full retirement age. So average is about $1,500. Max, absolute max, is around $3,000. Per month. Yeah. 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 I mean, I think it's good to have it. I feel like there's it's like... It's so good to have it. There's like always arguments about getting rid of Social Security or, or whatever. And I'm just like, I don't I don't get those arguments. I don't understand. Like you can improve it, but I don't Absolutely understand how you get rid it. of a system that's like supporting a large 
portion of the country, yeah. but also something that like people now take into account about like how they're planning their lives and how they're mm-hmm. planning like the most kind of the most vulnerable time in their lives mm-hmm. when like they can't really work and but they still need to, you know, buy food and shelter. They do need to buy so, food like, and shelter. Yeah. It's like it's like the ACA, you know, it's like sh- is it perfect? No. Aww. Is social security perfect? No. No. But like getting rid of them seems like a stupid idea. Absolutely. Unless you've got a replacement. A better replacement, which we do not. Which we don't at the moment. Currently. So it stays. Social security stays. I'm all about it. I'm all about it. Looking forward to receiving my social security. (laughs) Looking forward to seeing how many credits I have. Again, you guys can visit the Social Security Administration website or probably AARP. I mean, I think you have to be a member to see their stuff. So, like, right? Don't you become a member of AARP when you turn a certain Yeah, age? you become a member of AARP. I mean, this was all stuff that I found that was, like, on their general information site? that I – On the general site. But, mm. like, yes, I'm sure AARP would be happy to help you sort out your Social Security. Yes. If you, if you, need, if you need sorting. You need so help. check mm-hmm. out those resources. But you guys, that is our New Deal episode on Social Security. I learned a lot. I learned a lot. I learned. I know. Me too. This is a really informative one for me too. Yeah. I think. Like in in like a practical way. For sure. Well, it's one of those where we all all know about Social Security, but like we don't ever really get into the nitty gritty of how it works, where it came from. Sort of like no. kind of the the trends we always see about things we don't know about is like yeah we know of it, and yes. we know that we I know that I have money going into it every yes. every paycheck. Which I is know fine. that my paycheck is smaller than it than it otherwise would be because, because sure. part of it goes to social security right. Yeah. But um but yeah this is this was enlightening, which we I'm love. So glad. I'm which so we love. Glad. But you guys, that is our episode for this week. So as always, if you like what you heard, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Let's Get Civical. You can rate us. You can review us. You can subscribe to us. We love you so, so much. And we will see you next Wednesday. Goodbye.